Welcome to The Kelly Roach Show, the place for no fluff, easy to implement, 20 minute or less business and leadership lessons to help you build a sustainable business that scales, lead with integrity and create a lasting legacy. I'm Kelly Roach, former NFL cheerleader and Fortune 500 executive turned eight figure entrepreneur. Let's get started. All right. Welcome back, everybody. This is The Kelly Roach Show, and I'm super pumped to have with me here today, Julie Solomon. She has been dominating in the online space, empowering entrepreneurs to find their magic and to unlock brand deals, effective pitches, and to monetize their content and their brand online for years. She has a new best-selling book, Get What You Want. Julie, welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. It's so great to be here. Finally, I'd like we have, we're talking offline and we have so many mutual friends and I feel like we've been in the zeitgeist together for a long time. So it's awesome to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I feel like you have been the leading authority in the online space for quite a while around helping entrepreneurs actually understand where to get started monetizing their brand and beginning with brand deals. So I really want to unpack and explore that. I know you've talked a little bit about how Many times people wait so long because they think they're not ready or they think their brand isn't big enough. And you talk about how actually getting started can be the thing that gets you started. So I do want to talk about that. But before we do, let's talk a little bit about your brand new bestselling book. I know that there is a whole chapter in the book um, that talks about this, but can you give a little bit of the backstory on the inspiration behind the book and kind of what some of the biggest things that you want people to get out of it are? Yes. Well, as you know, Kelly, because you've been down the book, <laughs> the gauntlet that is yeah. the book, <laughs> uh, the book publishing world. Um, I feel like people write a book when they have something to say. And mm -hmm. I started this book journey back in 2018. It was a, a little over a three and a half year process from me, um, you know, writing a proposal, then getting the book deal, then writing the book. And then COVID happened. I had a baby so on and so forth it just it took a minute and so yeah. um but i'm so glad that it did because i think that this book and the message of this book came out at the right and perfect time the book is called get what you want how to go from unseen to unstoppable and it's really meant to help women who feel so sick and tired of being so sick and tired and they're mm -hmm. ready for a shift they're ready for an energetic change they're ready for a kind of a a reinvigoration. Um, I feel like mm -hmm. with COVID, a lot of us just got kind of, you know, in some ways we were lit up by other things. And then other yeah. ways, I think things kind of plateaued and went stagnant. And and it, it gives you that kind of gut punch, tough love invigoration that you need to really step into what your true purpose and brilliance is and to start going after it. And so this book is really, it's perfect for, I think, Maybe it's the same woman, but she's in two different parts of her life. It's definitely for the woman who just feels so lost and stuck. It's for the woman that keeps saying, I don't know what I want. Like, I don't yeah. know what my purpose is. I don't know yeah. what I want to do. I, there's a lot of things that I want to do, but like, what is that real deep, deeper calling mm -hmm. for me? I don't know what it is. Um, and I always say to women, well, of course, you know what you want because you always know what you don't want. And so yes. starting from that. Um, and so the book is great for that woman. And then it's also great for the woman who, and this was really kind of where I think I was when I was writing it. And maybe you can relate to this too, Kelly, because I know that you've been, you've, you've been at this for a while too. Maybe yeah. you have a lot of what you want, you know, maybe mm -hmm. you've checked off a lot of the boxes. Mm -hmm. Maybe you've got the career, you've got 
the family, you've got the house, you've got the car, you've got you've got whatever those things are for you, but you know that there's a next level. There's yeah. like this invisible string that is pulling you and stretching you to kind of reveal a new version of yourself to you. And that's really where I was when I started to write the book. And I think it's definitely for that woman. And it really helps you unlock all of those things that keep holding us back. I call them your origin stories in the book. We yeah. have to really be able to identify what those are to be able to get to the other side of them. So I talk a lot about, share a lot of personal stories, which I've never really done before. Mm -hmm. I talk a lot about um, people pleasing, control, perfectionism, yeah how all of those things can manifest when it comes to how we view money and our abundance of money, a lot of scarcity mindset things that keep us locked that we yeah. may not even realize that we have. And then once we get to the other side of that, I start giving really actionable steps and tips in the book to help women start to take action on the things that they say that they want in life, but making sure that their actions are actually backing those up. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And I think what's so interesting, Julian, and you mentioned this a little bit, and I think COVID really brought this out for people. But, you know, yes, the, the, the book, I'm sure, is for the woman that is in the early stages of deciding that she wants something different for her life. And, you know, maybe it's starting a business or, or starting, you know, your own thing. But what's really interesting is in coaching a lot of advanced entrepreneurs that have had businesses for a while, Many people, once you achieve a level of success, begin this cycle again. And you almost say, Oh my gosh, I built all these things. I achieved all of this success. I, I marked off all of these things, but you almost go through needing to reinvent yourself like every couple of years to really realign and make sure. And, and I agree with what you just said there. The things that you're saying that you want, that you're actually a match for that in how you're showing up in your life. And so it sounds like the book can really serve people, whether they're in early stages or maybe you've already had levels of success. I see a lot of entrepreneurs running multi-million dollar companies wanting to start something new because they're a different person than the person that they were when they started that first thing. And now they're trying to discover what's next and, and how to align with that. It sounds like the book really helps people pull that out. It does. And it, it really works a lot on the awareness piece, because I think what can happen is that if we're not aware that that is what's going on, mm -hmm. we can actually self-sabotage. I've seen a lot of women in my communities that they will start losing money faster than they can make it when they've been seven oh, yeah. entrepreneurs. And they're just like, what's happened? Like, I've built the, this multi-million dollar business. And now I'm going to have to take out a loan because I'm under so much debt and I don't even know how this happened. And it's kind of like that that upper limit that Gay Hendricks talks about, that if we're not, if we yeah. don't allow ourselves to really become aware of the reality of the situation and what our part to play is in the reality of the situation, then we won't be able to then accept reality on reality's yeah. terms and then be able to start to take action to get to that place. And so, um, and I, I share a lot of my own personal story and journey of how that even happened to me. And yeah. hopefully, since I had to go through all of that rock bottom pain, the reader's won't have to go through that. If they do, that's great too. I'm here to help them. But if they can find the awareness and get the awareness before I did, they won't have to yes. you know, build something great, lose it all, crash to the bottom, and then have yeah. to build it again. I I hear you. We've we've all had those those horror stories for for sure. I think you can't you're so here's the deal. And this is what I found with all of my, you know, girlfriends that are that have achieved, you know, a, a certain level of success. So there's there's two types of people, right? There's the type of people that 
achieved the success and then got out because they couldn't handle all the things that come with success. Because you will hit rock bottom. You will have overwhelming amounts of struggle. A lot of people think that once you achieve a level of success, that you're like protected. Like you, you won't experience these things because you run a multiple seven figure business. You won't experience these things because, you know, you have a big team or you won't experience these things because you're a best selling author or whatever the case. And it's like, no, sir, that's not how it works, right? You're the human experience is still the human experience, no matter what the level of success is. So there's the people that got in, can't deal and get out. And then there's the people that are able to raise that level of self-awareness and work through that next evolution of self that are able to reset for the next leg of the journey. And then they keep going. But I haven't found a person yet that is at a high level of success, especially in the online world that hasn't experienced that. So I love that you're sharing those stories, Julie. And I think that's really important. It's something that I try to do on the show as well, because I don't, I don't want there to be a misconception. And I think a lot of times in the online world, there is a huge misconception that a level of income means that you are sidestepping the human experience, right? right? Yeah. There's um, chapter nine in my book called Limitless talks a lot about this. And I say in the book that with, with each new growth and new transformation, there will be a full on identity crisis. Mm-hmm. And so we have to prepare for that. Yeah. It's when we are not aware of that, when we're in denial of that, when we yeah. think that we can, you know, just kind of dress, rehearse chaos and, and yeah. kick reality to the punch is when is when we're faced with this really sometimes for some people chaotic, yeah. insane, crazy moments that you're like, oh, my gosh, how did I get here? And yeah. it's like, well, what were the signs leading up to that? And were you really aware and paying attention to that? And and did you give over the fact that, okay, I'm ready to stretch myself to new heights. This is this is not going to always be easy. There's going to be some yeah. growing pains. And so how do I just at least become, just the awareness of that in and of itself is is a part of the, prep, of the preparation. Yeah. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. I really like that you're exploring that and taking the time to open that up. Um, you know, I think one of the things I know about your story is that when you created, so you created Pitch It Perfect, right? And you have really taken that and built a brand around that. And you have refined that core offer over a period of years, right? I think one of the biggest things that uh, holds people back from success is they're always looking at, well, what's this person and what this person doing and what's this person doing? And I need to do this because this person's doing that. And my coach is doing this. So I need to emulate what my coach is doing. So talk a little bit about um, how much your success has been impacted by that level of focus, because yeah. I think that's a really, really important part of why your brand has authority in the market. People know you, they understand what you stand for. They understand what you're here to deliver for people. Thank you, Kelly. Yeah, I love this topic. I think that it's one that is so important that isn't talked about enough. Um, I think that there is massive, massive success. And I have examples of when you actually do niche down and kind of go all in on one thing. And I'll talk about what I mean by that, because I know there's a lot of multi-passionate people out there that want to argue that. Um, But I also have a lot of stories that I'm happy to share about when I didn't do that and how much harder it was, how much more it felt forced, how how much how less authentic it felt Mm -hmm. and how um, when I measure what I define as success, how less successful it was to other things that I had built. And so it's actually a fun time to talk about this because 
It's actually been six years since yesterday that I launched my program. Oh, congratulations. That's amazing. Yeah. And and it's, you know, Pitch It Perfect is a really, um, it changed my life, my entire life, my entire business as I know it to be. Um, And it was the catalyst of everything else that people see me do today. My podcast, Mm -hmm. my book, speaking on stages, everything else that I've poured my heart into. And I will say the reason that Pitch It Perfect and Pitch It Perfect is a course that teaches content creators, entrepreneurs and coaches how to successfully monetize the content that they create. And I do it specifically through brand deals. And so um, I first think it's important for me to get a little bit clear as to what I mean by a content creator, because I think that a lot of people will hear that word and they're like, they start to tune out because they're like, well, I'm not a content creator. Right. So apply to me. Right. Um, but the way that I see that is that a content creator is anyone that creates content with the hopes to use that content to sell or to make money. Mm-hmm. So that could be YouTubers, coaches, bloggers, yeah. course creators, influencers, um, whatever that may be for you, that is what I define as a court, as a content creator. And so even though you may not be someone who, you know, has a lifestyle brand on Instagram and, and kind of what we visually define a content creator to be, um, I look at it much more all encompassing. So if you have social media, whether that's LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram, and you create content, with the hopes of monetizing that in some way or with the hopes of a potential client seeing that content building no like and trust with you and wanting to buy from you then you're a content creator you're creating content with the hopes of monetizing it in some way and so pritchett perfect really allows for creators coaches entrepreneurs whatever you want to call yourself to be able to do this and, and to do it through a unique method that i created which really lends to how we're building our relationships with the people that we want to work with. And the lens in which I do this through is with brand and media. So if you're someone who wants to partner with a company out there or get a sponsorship for an event, or you're wanting to get media placement for yourself, how Mm -hmm. do you have the right pitch method in place to be able to do that? And how are you cultivating and building relationships? And that's what PIP, as we call it, Pitch It Perfect helps you do. Yeah, And I think the reason why Pitch It Perfect was and has been so successful is not only because it teaches you how to monetize and land brand deals in a really succinct way, but it was also created with a proven method in place. So that Mm -hmm. means that it provides extreme value and extreme results for the exact client that it was meant to serve. Yeah, no, I, I I love that. And, you know, I'll just share. And this is something that we very much have in common. I mean, the Unstoppable Entrepreneurs Program was my core, very similar to your Pitch It Perfect, um, you know, for the past five years. And it's really the focus on that one program and launching that one program over and over again that took us from seven to eight figures as a company. And I see so many people, and I want to say this for everyone listening, because you're hearing it from Julie, and, and I'm sharing it from my side as well. When you're constantly starting over, you're constantly starting over. It doesn't mean we can't have fun, 
right? We have our hands in lots of different things. And as you build and grow, and as you have a more mature, advanced team, you can very easily do lots of different things. But when you are trying to hit a specific income target or a specific impact target or influence target, having focus is so powerful. It's it's so meaningful. So I, I really like that you emphasize that, Julie, and, and you were so smart the way that you built a whole ecosystem around that. And it's it's brand brand has so much power and so much more power, I believe, than business, right? Because if you build brand, you can start 20 different businesses because of that that authority, that reputation that you've built. Like you could go start a new company tomorrow and and you're you're gonna sell immediately just because of the brand reciprocity that you've built up from showing up in the market over and over again for so long and delivering value for people. And I think another great example, and I love to give this to clients that because really what I and I actually define it in my book, I talk about purpose and passion and the difference between the two. I feel like purpose is really that steadfast compass that keeps you focused. It's the yeah. foundation. It's yes. the root system. Whereas passions are all the things that we can yes. do to bring about the purpose. So 10 years ago, my passion was publicity. I was a publicist for 10 years, more than 10 years before I got into doing the work that I do today. Hence, my, my expertise in pitching came yeah. from all of those years of being a publicist. My passion today is not publicity in that traditional form whatsoever. You you literally could not pay me to be someone's <laughs> But the purpose and the why behind that is still the same. And so right. I think that what we have to get clear on, and it's why I wrote a ho- whole chapter about it in my book, is that yeah. there's going to be a lot of passions that relate yeah. to your business. And then there's going to be a lot of passions that don't. For example, I love to bake cupcakes with my son. But that doesn't yeah. mean, Kelly, that I'm going to go start a cupcake bakery tomorrow. Yes. And I think that's where people get very kind of lost in the mix is that they think that every passion is their deep calling and their deep c- purpose and that they need to somehow figure out a way to make money off of it when yeah. sometimes that's just not the case. And yeah. I think that that's another reason why Pitch It Perfect as a program has had such longevity and success is that not only did I articulate value? Did I create a method that works that, you know, I made sure that people, you know, they're buying into the results and the process of that, but I stayed consistent. I spent many, many years giving it a lot of TLC. I have still to this day am consistently fine tuning it, tweaking it to make it the absolute best program that it can be. And I think that that's the question that people need to ask themselves. Do I want to be the absolute best at this? Yes or no? And if it's not a heck yes, then it's a heck no. And so you have to go and find what is the thing that you are willing to be the absolute best of. And you've got to have a why and a purpose that is stronger than any excuse that you could have to not live that out. And so you have to find as the CEO, as the visionary, as the creative, you've got to find what that is. And and that's going to be I think that's the secret to success. You've got to create a method that is repeatable and scalable. Yeah, up to some degree automated so you can scale that out. Something digital also works great. Doesn't all have to be digital, but you got to yeah. you've got to find those factors in there. You've got to find a really articulate a proven method that's going to get your ideal client those results and then you have to learn how to be patient and allow the business to evolve and grow as the needs of its clients evolve and grow. And that doesn't mean going off and creating 15,000 different offers and then wondering why you can't scale. It's, it's yes. really being patient and fine tuning that. And so 
that's what I mean for people that they love to be multi-passionate. Be multi-passionate all day. I mean, please do yourself a favor and just at least at least niche down on one thing and yeah. back. I'm not yeah. saying you can't do all the other things, but give yourself that gift of really nurturing. And if there's any gardeners listening, like this is the best analogy I can give <laughs> someone. When you're thinking about a rose bush or any kind of, you know, even a vegetable garden in the spring, they call it deadheading where you start to see all of the, if you're looking at a cucumber vine and it's growing out and you start to see some of the vines that are really strong and they're growing these really massive cucumbers. And then you have some on the other end of, of the stalk that, you know, they're cute and they're there, but they're not as strong and hardy as the other cucumbers. They're kind of like maybe the size of your thumb. Yeah. You really have two options. You can deadhead that vine, which means cutting the vine off of the little cucumbers, because when you do that, all the nutrients are now going to go towards the bigger cucumbers where you want them to grow. Or you can just keep letting all these various vines keep growing and having a lot of little cucumbers everywhere. So do you want, you know, five really big cucumbers or do you want 20 little cucumbers? And that's yeah. the decision that you get to make. And the more that you trim the fat, the more that you trim the rosebush, the more that you deadhead and really niche down on what it is that you want to grow, the bigger it's going to become. Yeah, it's so smart. And I always say, just kind of going along with that, when you keep running up against the same problem over and over again and you just can't get past it, a lot of times you have to simplify there is something that you are putting between you and the thing that you want that is it's it's not nothing is going to move nothing is going to change until you go one layer simpler um so i love what you're saying that's a great analogy about the garden i think people are going to remember that okay i do want to go back to the brand deals for a second because this is an area that you have really strong expertise in I think we have a lot of listeners uh, of the show that they have a successful core business, but they've never ventured into the world of pursuing brand deals. I think it's a great extra stream of income, but most importantly, and it's so interesting how like your book got delayed with COVID and, and it just came out now because I feel like so many companies are now changing their advertising strategy to want to work with online influencers and want to work with people that have social media brands. Instead of maybe these big like mega stars, they're really looking for like people like us, right? They're looking for people that are small business owners with engaged audience. So I would love to hear kind of a little bit of like your perspective on the market and maybe just some, some initial like quick tips or strategies that you would tell people to think about that have never even considered pursuing a brand deal before. Yes. And I first think it's, it's important to define what a brand deal is because a lot of times people are like, I don't even know what that means. So um, I defined what a content creator was, mm -hmm. um, anyone who creates content with the hopes of monetizing it. And then mm -hmm. brand deals are paid partnerships between content creators and companies. Mm -hmm. So these are paid. Sometimes they can be gifted and we can talk about the difference between those two, but they are paid partnerships between creators and companies. And it's a big way that creators can monetize the content that they create. It's not the only way, but it's, it's, it's the biggest way. Yeah. And so um, that's what I help people do. And um, I started this years ago um, when I was still a publicist um, and I was doing PR. I started getting into the world of blogging. I was living in L.A. at the time. And if you lived in L.A. in 2013, you became a blogger. That's what it <laughs> Yes. And so um, I started to work really long hours. And back then, the name of the monetization game was affiliate marketing. It wasn't brand deals. And so I knew how important it was to get out to be seen be seen to try to get photos taken 
But I quickly started to realize that I was working 60 hour weeks and maybe making $5 off of a shirt. Like it was, mm-hmm. it was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Right. And I started to look around and I noticed that there were other content creators that also had the same issue. And the issue was that people were getting so spellbound by the glossy glamour of the influencer industry that they lost sight of the fact that what they were supposed to be doing was building a business. Mm-hmm. Something else that was happening at that time, just because of my background in PR and pitching, is that I would work 60 hours a week and make $5 off of a shirt. Right. And I would meet a brand. I would get on the phone with them. I would talk to them and pitch them an idea. And I would instantly make $5,000 for a piece of content. So it would take half the time. It would pay me so much more. And so I started to be like, well, this is interesting. You know, and it's because of my my background as a publicist made pitching and landing brand deals very natural for me. Right. I was just right. so natural when it came to it because I knew how to pitch myself. I knew how to talk to brands. I would go to networking events or to conferences and all of these other women would just be sitting in the corner, not talking to anyone or talking to themselves. And then all the brands with all the money would be standing over here. And I'm like, what's happening? Why isn't anyone yeah. talking to the brand? So I yeah. would go up and I would start talking to them. And so I started to, from the brand deals that I pitched myself, I started to make at least $5,000 a month from it. And then the other thing that happened with the brand deals that I pitched, it allowed me to start building those key relationships with brands and the companies that I was working with. So I started to become very front of mind to the brands when they had events or they wanted to partner on longer term opportunities. And because of this exposure, my personal brand and my social media following started to grow. Yeah. And that's when around the same time, the other women that I knew in that industry, you know, started to kind of see what their issues were. So they lost sight of the fact that they were supposed to be building a business. A lot of them didn't even know how to do that. The other challenge that they had was that they lacked a lot of originality because they kept copying each other. They would buy the same clothes or sell the same merchandise online. And so rather than really learning how to make this something profitable for them, they were losing so much money because they were spending all of their time trying to keep up with their peers. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they would go into what I call like compare and despair. Yes. Constantly comparing themselves and then, you know, not getting anywhere from it. And then another big issue that I saw at the time was that they didn't have the tools or know-how to, ha- to actually bring this to life, to successfully monetize their brands. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I realized, you know, I have this opportunity I, this is natural to me. I can teach this. And so that's when I decided to give myself permission to quit publicity the way that I was doing it, to quit the affiliate rat race and to pivot my business to really what we see today. And that's when I started working on Pitch It Perfect. And at that time it was 2016. And then by 2017, it started to get some traction because I also launched the Influencer Podcast, which as you know, Kelly, it's a great way for more people to get to know about you, hear about your expertise. And as a result of that, the course kept growing. And so from that, it was this method that I just kept kind of fine tuning and tweaking. And um, I would love to share some tips from the program if you're cool with that. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's fantastic. Yes. Yes. Um, and then I will say, if anyone's listening, if you want, we ha- I have a freebie if you want to grab it. It is a uh, free pitch template and elevator pitch breakdown. So I'm going to give you some Love tips it. here. But if you want to walk away with it, all you have to do is DM me the word pitch and we'll send it to you. 
Um, it walks you through how to create your elevator pitch, how to use it in your social media bio. So you're actually attracting and captivating the people that want to work with you. And then I give you a free template and then I give you some post pitching follow up tips to use. So again, just DM me pitch and I will I'll send it to you. Are you a small business owner or entrepreneur that wants to scale your sales online, wants to have a bigger, stronger, more meaningful presence in the online space, but doesn't want to spend 24-7 creating and posting content, generating leads and trying to nurture them to the close? Well, if you feel that showing up online and producing more meaningful content would make a bigger difference in your business, I want you to click the link below and learn about our done-for-you content creation and marketing services. We have a full-service agency that helps disruptive brands in the online space to show up, make a splash, generate leads, and convert more sales online. So if you want to learn more about our done-for-you marketing services, click the link below to apply for a free consultation. I think the first tip that I would love to share, um, and you, you might see this too, Kelly, a little bit, but I believe that pitching is a service and not a sale. A lot of times... Yeah. What I will see happen in my community is that people will hear the word pitch and they associate it with hard sales. And from that, they immediately go like, ooh, Julie, that's sleazy. I'm not doing that. Right. Or, ooh, that's used car salesman stuff. I'm not doing that. Or yeah. Julie, people are just naturally born salespeople. I'm not a natural born salesperson, so yeah. I can't do that. And so I love to differentiate inside my program. I think the slime factor or the resistance factor happens. It's because hard sales really focuses on the win or some kind of outcome. Yeah. But to me, a pitch, or at least the way that I teach it in my method, it's all about serving people first. And yeah. I think it's really about realizing that we're pitching all the time in our lives, even if we don't realize yeah. it. Um, in business, a large part of our communication is really dedicated to persuading others and getting them on board with what we believe is valuable and really positively persuading someone. We're suggesting a course of action that they should take or values that we believe are important. Um, the same goes in our personal lives. Every time we suggest to a friend, a restaurant to go to, a book to read, a podcast they should listen to, yeah. a coach that they, that they should invest in because we got yeah. great results from that coach. We're not mm -hmm. only pitching our perspective, but we're also sharing what we feel is important. Yeah. And that's really about a pitch that serves. And yeah. so I love to just to share with people, if you feel resistant to selling yourself, to pitching yourself, to putting yourself out there, I want you to think about someone in your life that you've happily given money to because they pitched you on something. Yeah. And it touched your heart. It changed your life. It made you feel understood. And the more that we can see it coming from that way, the more that we see that it really is a service. Um, I believe that pitching is 100% relationship-based and when it's done well and you know the right way to do it, it's very subtle. It's yeah. like a recommendation. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of the biggest, the biggest thing that I implore people to get to the other side of because without a doubt, fact, I would not have the business that I have today if I hadn't invested and all of the learning, the coaching and yeah. the support that other people pitched to me yeah. and all of the ripple effects that that created. I wouldn't have a book. I wouldn't be paid six figures to speak on stages. Like yeah. none of that would be happening if I didn't believe in the value of pitching as a service, if I didn't believe in that, and if I wouldn't have invested in what had been pitched to me. So yeah. the more that you can see it as a service, the more that you start to see that exchange of energy. And mm -hmm. I think the easier 
it is to start to invest in that future that you want. Because what you're really doing is that you're, you're lifting your currency of commitment towards growth, even when you just start to invest in the idea of pitching. Yeah. You're lifting that currency of commitment. And so if you can see it as a service and not just some kind of sleazy sale and get to the other side of that, you're going to make your life a lot easier. Yeah. No, I you can commit to that new mindset. We can go into some other tips that I have. Yeah, I, I love that you talked about like committing to that next level currency, right? And and I couldn't agree more. I the way that I frame it up is, you know, that that selling is truly serving. If you are committed to making an impact on people's lives by doing what you do really, really well, then you also have to know and believe that by giving someone a solution to get the result that they want you are doing service for them, right? So I love that you frame it up by starting by that mindset. So we talked a little bit about the mindset. Let's talk a little bit about, okay, now what? Yeah. So I think for no other reason than just not knowing, the majority of people that I see get a pitch wrong because they make a pitch about themselves. And Mm. it often comes across sounding very self-serving and it lacks a collaborative tone, even if they didn't mean for it to come off that way. And so a lot of times I'll see pitches that are like, hi, my name's Susie. You know, I have this kind of business or I have this kind of, you know, this many followers on Instagram or this many clients and I would love to work with you. This is what I want. This is what I need. These are my terms. This is my rate. This is how much it's going to cost. Attached is my press kit. Thanks. Right, right, right. You know, and I think at first people are like, well, what's wrong with that pitch, Julie? Like, it's nice. It's straightforward. She's just, she's saying what she wants. But it's all, it's me, 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 me. Whereas, you know, a a pitch that's really coming from a place of service is going to sound more like, hi, my name is Susie. I'm such a loyal fan or customer of your work. I've been following your work for X amount of years or months. And I love what you're doing with, you know, a specific project that they have. Or I love what you created with that collaborator that you had. Or I noticed that you're involved with, X, Y, and Z, and you start to really give them something specific that you admire about them or something that truly you saw them do that made a difference in your life or made you think differently. And then two sentences that I love to include in a pitch is, I'd love to support you in spreading your message, or I'd love to support you in spreading your cause, or I'd love to support you in spreading your mission. And then I always end a pitch with, with would this be helpful? Question That's mark. awesome. Like you're literally asking them a question because what you're doing then, if you think of a pitch, like a baseball pitch, you're pitching it out and now they've caught it and now the ball's in their court to now pitch it back to you. If you don't end a pitch with a question, then there's nothing to answer to. Right. So you so always leave it with a question. Would this be yeah. helpful? Um, does, this like, does this sound like something that you're interested in? Question mark. Do you want to get on the phone to discuss? No one ever wants to get on the phone anymore. Like, yeah. offer to get on the phone. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The other thing that happens, and just first, I, I want to make sure that people can kind of, even just in this kind of vague thing that we've done here on the podcast, can you already hear the difference of that? You know, the oh, first yeah. email that I was talking about or the first pitch was all about what that person wanted, her business, mm-hmm. her goals, her wants, the money she wanted to make. There was no clear benefit for connecting. But mm-hmm. when you create a pitch that is really about supporting the other person and how you can be of service to their cause, 
the message is really clear to the person that's receiving your pitch that you want to build a relationship. You want to collaborate. Yes. You want to support them. And the minute that you offer your support to who you're serving and to really help tackle their problems, they are more likely to want to do business with you and more likely yeah. to buy from you. Yeah. That's just that that's just business one on one one oh one in general. And I yeah. think that the goal of any kind of pitch is to make the people that we're pitching the center of our attention. So smart. If you it seems that, so obvious, but it's not what's done, right? It's so it's, done. it's not, right? It's not, and it's and just it's nervousness. It's it just nervousness, service. you know, but yeah. And people also where they get it wrong is that they don't take time to do research. So they start pitching to people and they have no idea what that person's challenges are, their frustrations, their how are you how are you being a solution provider to the person that you're pitching? That's the question that you have to answer. And if you don't know the solution that they're looking for, it's your job to figure out what that is. Go read press releases, go to their website, go, you know, just rabbit trail down their Instagram. Yeah. Like it's so easy in today's age to find information out about brands and companies and people now more than ever. So when people come to me and they're like, well, I don't know what this person's challenge is. It's like, it's 2022. Yeah. Everybody's information yeah. is out there for grabs. And it's like, if you don't find it, somebody else is going to, they're going to pitch them and they're going to get the job or they're going to get the deal. So you have to make that commitment. Are you willing just to give it a little extra tender love and care, do a little bit of research, really get clear on who is on the other end of that pitch and really show up in a supportive way that is authentic and real? Yeah, no, that's brilliant. Super smart. So when you guys are listening to this and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm ready to get started. This is amazing. Remember, you can just DM the word. It's pitch, right? Yep. DM, DM the word pitch to Julie and she's going to give you this whole like template and, and resources and all this great stuff to get started. And obviously everybody, you can see the book right behind Julie there. Make sure you grab a copy of Get What You Want. It doesn't matter what level you're at or what stage you're at. I guarantee there's a next level of you that you're trying to unlock and this book is going to help you to do that. Now, I want to ask you before we wrap up here today, I think something that you and I very much have in common, Julie, is uh, values around freedom and, and family. And I think that um, you and I have both in our own ways, in very different ways, really made that a centerpiece of our businesses and the way that we live and, and kind of run our lives. I would love for you to share just anything that that has really been powerful for you in enabling you to put freedom and family first in your life while you've built this really successful business. Yeah, thank you for this. I love this question. It's one that I get asked a lot. Um, for those listening, I, I'm a mom of two. I have an eight-year-old son who's almost nine years old, and then I have a two-year-old daughter. So I was in the midst of writing a book, running a multi seven figure business and like breastfeeding a baby. Yeah. all <laughs> So yeah. I get what it's like to not have balance. Yeah. I get what it's like. There's even seasons and I'll be the first to admit it that it's like I just really didn't want a mom at that moment. It's not that mm -hmm. I didn't want to be a mom, but I was just like, I just don't want a mom right now. Can I mm -hmm. just not mom today? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I had to because I'm a mom mm -hmm. and that's yeah. a full time job that never yeah. goes away. And so this idea about, you know, family life and mom life and business life and or and really finding the balance to that, to me, what's really helped me over time is organizing my time. And that to me is really about becoming more effective with how I use my time. The more effective I am when I am working, 
and really using that time in an effective way, the more time that I'm going to have to then spend on the other things that I want to do. And I think the fastest way to do that for me, one in my life was replicating a method, a formula or a process that had already been effectively created or documented. So even if that was like meal planning or lunch planning for my kids, or if that was investing in a coaching program, because they were going to teach me a method that they had already solidified in the marketplace that all I had to do was replicate, fine twink, fine tweak and then just add my secret sauce to it yeah that was going to get me to my results faster and easier than ever before that in and of itself cut my workload down by like 50 percent and then i could start using that 50 percent of extra time that i now had to do the other things that i wanted to do and so that's what actually allowed me to create more balance was really getting clear on how am i using my time how effective Mm -hmm. am i being with my time and it's going to cost something. It's either going to cost money, energy, time, or resources. So what's most important in this moment? And that's what I've got to use. Do I want to invest my time or do I want to invest my money, my energy, or my resources in making this happen? And so for me, that's been, that was huge for me. Um, The other thing is that 10 to three is when you get me during the day. So like if you coaching calls, business calls, whatever it is, I'm a 10 to three person. After three, my son rolls in the door from the bus stop and it's like, it's just time to be a mom. I work from home, so I have to factor that in. And I've set up my work schedule to be that way, that I am highly effective from the hours of 10 to three. And after that, I shut it off, turn it off, and I go and, and be a mom and I'll get back to it when I get back to it the next day. Absolutely. No, that that's fantastic. I, I, we have a lot of, we have a lot of common, you know, principles and, and thought processes. So that that's, I think really helpful. And I say this all the time, but I think a lot of people think that you have to work longer hours to grow faster and grow more. And it's, it's definitely not the case, but you do need to be more disciplined. You need to be more disciplined. I think the the key thing that that I have found and that I see with people like yourself, Julie, and people that are highly successful, they're also highly effective. More is not necessarily more. Yeah. But better is better, right? So it's always challenging ourselves. I just got back, I just took my first business sabbatical and I had my CMO run the company for for the month of August. And I had to really take a step back and say, Oh, oh, thanks. Yes. That was it was it was yeah, it was it was great. But I had to take a step back and really say, where where am I not being effective as a CEO? And how do I need to show up differently for my team? Because we're always challenging the people around us to be better and, and to do better. But I really had to step back and take that time and think about, but how do I need to be better? And how do I need to show up differently? And And what came up for me even more was like, being even more intentional about my time, even more intentional about focusing more energy on on being the face of the brand and driving the visibility of the company like on the main stage. And I think that, you know, what you just walked people through there, you know, 10 to 3. But it's it's being effective. It's being focused. It's being clear. It's being disciplined, right? Yes. And I would love to leave another little homework for people. I'm just I'm a tactics yeah. teacher. Um, I would love for everyone to look at the next 90 days on their calendar. And if there are things on there that is not getting them to where they want to go to their goals, Mm -hmm. or it doesn't light you the F up, I want you to remove it from your calendar. If you're meeting with people, if you're taking time to do things that either don't just bring you so much flip and joy, 
or they're not actually getting you step closer to where it is that you want to be in your business and in your life, it should not be on your calendar and remove it immediately, please. No, it, it's so true. And I think um, just to, to bring that thought full circle, I think that a lot of people have the perception that time management is something that you work on when you're new. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's something that you work on every time you want to elevate, every time you want to do better. It's doing exactly what you just said, Julie. I tell people like rework your calendar every 90 days and challenge yourself to say, how have I evolved? How has the business evolved? And what should look different for the next 90 days than how things looked for the last 90? So I think that that's a great exercise that you just gave everybody. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, Julie, thank you so much for being here. You you showed and shared so much immense value and you're just doing beautiful work. Your brand is gorgeous. You do great work in the world to impact people in a meaningful way. You've stayed true to what your brand is all about and it's paid. Really happy to have you on the show today. Guys, don't forget to DM Julie the word pitch so that you can get the resources around getting your first or next brand deal and grab a copy of Get What You Want. Thanks, Julie. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to The Kelly Roach Show. If you enjoyed this episode, do me two solids. Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review so other people can find the life-changing content that we share here. We're on our way to number one and we need your help getting there. Thanks so much for being a part of the community and for tuning into the show each and every week.